सहनौ सह Welcome everyone to today's class. We'll start a new chapter, chapter 13, Renunciation. Does anyone have any questions from uh, last class? Okay, fine. Can everyone hear me okay now on this one? Yeah, great. So we just finished the three yogas. When you practice the three yogas, it leads to the next chapter, which is renunciation. So what is renunciation? So a little introduction to this chapter. So everyone got the page? So we say this world is Brahman, supreme reality, God. So where there is supreme reality, Brahman, God, instead we are all seeing the phenomena of the world. Right now we're in the world and we see the world. We see the world of things and beings, pairs of opposites, which is what the world is made of. But the world that we experience is nothing but a superimposition of that one Brahman, another name for God. A boy walks down the um, alleyway with his dad. He sees something on the floor and he says, Dad, look, there's a snake. His dad looks closer and says, no, son, it's only a rope. Lack of knowledge of the rope the boy sees a snake, yeah? Similarly, we are seeing the world instead of seeing Brahman due to our ignorance, lack of knowledge. The law of nature is you become what you think. As you think, so you become. If your thoughts are on business, you become a businessman. Your thoughts on gambling, you become a gambler. Thoughts on sports, you become a sportsman. So where are your thoughts? Our thoughts are always occupied in the world on perceptions, emotions, and thoughts. So we are all seeing and experiencing a world of perceptions emotions and thoughts. There is no thought on Brahman, infinite reality, God. Therefore, there is no experience of Brahman, God. Is everyone following? Yeah. The spiritual path is the path away from this world and towards God, Brahman. So logically, the more we think of Brahman, God, the nearer we get to Brahman. It's quite straightforward. 
the more you think of the world, the more you become worldlier, materialistic. You know, we said, where are your thoughts? So the problem lies in shifting our focus from the world to Brahman, to that reality. But this isn't practical. It's not easy as long as we have desires. Because the desires are going towards the world. Desires are what? Just an association of thoughts. So since we have so many desires running towards the world, we're not able to get out of the world. What of God is lacking. So we're stuck in the world. See, the problem is, in the last 50 years, the world has become so more attractive. We're able to access so much more of the world. Unlike before, simply you turn on the computer, internet, you can go anywhere you want. So it's holding us even stronger. It's becoming more and more difficult to change that focus. So we have the three yogas. First yoga, karma yoga. With the body, we perform selfless action which reduces our desires without adding new ones. With the mind, we practice devotion, an awareness of that divinity that permeates everywhere in our lives, that which makes us see, feel emotions, allows us to think of various thoughts. So if we're able to focus our attention on the reality whilst acting the world, then that is bhakti yoga. And the third yoga, use the intellect to contemplate on what is real and what is unreal in the world. What is permanent, what is impermanent. What is eternal and what is passing. That capacity to be aware, think constantly between the differences is jnanam knowledge, jnanam yoga. So, what we have learned from last chapter is when we practice these three, you reduce, you offload the bulk of your desires. And when you reduce your desires, you develop a sense of detachment, renunciation from worldly affairs. You become less interested. Whatever you do, talk, think, perceive, you feel removed from it, not interested. When? Once you've reduced your desires. You live in the world like a lotus leaf in water. Lotus leaf is in the water, but it has nothing to do with the water. It has this waxy surface. So you live in the world with a sense of detachment whilst acting, whilst you're doing everything you're doing, while you're performing your duties, your obligations. This is called renunciation. By practicing living in this way, we purify our minds. 
once you act in the world like that, slowly you then become prepared for meditation. Meditation on that higher, the reality, to achieve self-realization. You can't reach that state of self-realization without meditation. And meditation is not possible until you reach a state of renunciation. Because you can't meditate until you free yourself of your desires and attachments in the world. Your mind will keep going towards the world because you've got too many desires. Once you've reduced them, only then you can meditate. But this word renunciation, it's misunderstood in the world. People think it is giving up everything. It is not. It's an attitude, a growth in understanding. What's this understanding? That the world, what the world provides has no value whatsoever. Because you understand that anything in the world has no value compared to the reality. That's the value. That's renunciation. Giving things the right value. That's renunciation. Doesn't matter what you have or not have. So this chapter discusses this state of renunciation. Just give you some background of what this is, so you have a better foundation. Does everyone understand? Is there any clarifications on what this meaning of renunciation is? Did anyone have an idea of what renunciation was before today's class? Have, they, have you heard, heard the word before? No? So this is what renunciation is. This is what this chapter deals with. Having the correct value to life, to world. Renunciation. Okay, we're going to discuss what is renunciation in more detail. After this uh, class, you'll have a better idea of what renunciation is. So these um, chapters naturally progress from the last chapter. So there's a system to it. Right, what is renunciation? Magna, chapter one. Renunciation is the quintessence of spirituality, the sap of religion. The spirit of renunciation instilled by Vedanta paves, paves the way to enlightenment. Yet the subject of renunciation is seldom spoken of in religious institutions, a topic which hardly finds a place in spiritual discussions. And the concept of renunciation is totally misconstrued. The idea of renunciation is repulsed by, modern, by the modern society. The thought of it is dismissed by people as something repugnant. The beauty and grandeur of renunciation has been transformed into an ugly caricature. 
The general misconception is that it means resignation and retirement from life. To go barefooted and bareheaded. Live in the seclusion of forests. This is far from the truth. Had it been so, had it been so then renunciation would be of no practical use to people and only cater to a few social recluses who shun away, who shun any form of pleasure or material comfort. So what's this paragraph? Renunciation is the core of religions. Vedanta helps you to absorb the spirit of renunciation in your life, leading to enlightenment. So the concept of renunciation is misunderstood in today's society. It is not discussed in religious institutes and people are not aware of it, what it is. As I asked you just now, do you know what renunciation is? Have you heard of it? And most of you said no, because it's not discussed anymore. People have the wrong meaning of the term renunciation. People think it's resigning your life from the world, getting rid of all your possessions, living in the cave in Himalayas, walking barefooted, reject material possession and sense pleasure. That's what people think renunciation is. So they're saying here, if, if this was the case, then what's the point of studying it? It's no use to us in society. We're wasting our time even talking about it because none of us can go and do that. Very few people can do something like that. So it's not that. So we're going to discuss now what renunciation is. So paragraph two. Ironic, ironic as it may seem, renunciation is meant for one and all. It has to be practiced in business and home, in everyday life, in the din and roar of the marketplace. It is the solace of life. It will be the solace of death. In its true form, renunciation provides the greatest consolation to those who suffer from worldly attachment and desire. And when intensified, it draws out the divinity in a human being, animates him to bring about a, re a reintegration, a reunion with the Supreme Being. Renunciation is the fragrance a spiritually evolved person releases while performing his obligatory duties and responsibilities. The sublime trait of renunciation ought not to be reduced to weak resignation. Those equipped with this great trait stood out as spiritual stalwarts in this world. So renunciation is to be practiced while you are doing your regular duties, it's saying. While you're doing your obligations in life. In the marketplace, in business. Renunciation is for everyone, all walks of life. By practicing renunciation, it helps us to deal with our attachments, our desires in the world. It allows, it allows us to have the right values, right relationship with the world. 
Ultimately, it helps you to understand divinity, God, become one with the self. So it helps us to deal with everyday problems, our attachments, our desires. What, is, what do they mean by having the right relationship, the right value with the world? What would, what would you think they would mean by that? Yeah, Ravi. How you contact um, the world or you know, how you contact other people and how you perceive them, how, how you accept it internally, I think. Okay. Having the right value, right relationship with the world. Any other comments? Yeah, Megna. Um, just your attachment, really, and your how affected you are when things certain things occur. Gives you an idea of what we think is important to us in the whole scheme of things, how it fits in. <sighs> like you said, your attachments. Your relationship. Right now we're affected by things. Once we give it the right value, then we wouldn't be affected by things. So if you understand world is nothing but God, Brahman, why would you be affected by anything? Ultimately it helps you to understand divinity, God, become one. Uh, can everyone turn their mics off, please? Rowena Ben, I think you got your mic on. So a person practicing renunciation in his everyday life is a highly evolved spiritual person. It's an attitude. So therefore we need to understand this concept thoroughly. Very important quality to develop in our life because it helps us to progress on our spiritual path. We will get there, by the way. I know everyone's slightly confused with this term, but in the, before the end of the class, you'll have a better idea. So what is renunciation? What we're going to discuss is what it isn't. And then we'll be left with what it is. So, Megna. Hence, a thorough understanding of this human quality is of prime importance in one's life and living. No progress is possible without renunciation. As you advance to the higher echelons of life, you drop the lower. It is a natural progression. Your childhood traits fall off as you reach your teens. So do your teenage fascinations drop with advancing maturity. The flower is sacrificed when the fruit emerges. Thus, renunciation is a mark of growth a symbol of progress in life. Below is a careful and methodic analysis which provides a clear picture of renunciation. So it's saying renunciation is a natural growth in life. As we become older, we drop the lower. How you behaved as a child, those traits are no longer there. You have grown out of them, I hope. 
flower drops away to give the fruit, its maturity. We have these chili plants outside. They have these lovely little flowers and they look nice. But then the, chili, the flower drops and the chili comes. Then you forget the flower. Your attention is on the chili itself. It's maturity. So he's saying renunciation is just growth in life. So what is renunciation? It's saying, does renunciation mean isolation from society, retiring to secluded places? Is it that? Do you want to read the next para? Does renunciation mean isolation from society, retiring to secluded places? It cannot mean that. If so, it would be of no use to people to practice and live by. Renunciation is an essential ingredient of religion, designed for every human being for his evolution. He needs to apply it in all facets of life while interacting with the world. So he's saying, renunciation is not retiring, isolating from the world, moving to a secluded place, as we said. See, it can't mean that, because if it meant that, then we can't, it's no good to us. It has to be applied in everyday life, it's saying. We can't practice renunciation and live away from everything, living in a cave. We can't do that. You have to practice this while you're living in the world every day. So saying renunciation is not running away from life. Okay, it's not leaving the world and going to the Himalayas. Then what is it? Let's have a look. Ravi. If association with the world is permissible, does renunciation then mean abstaining from individual possession and enjoyment of worldly objects and beings? It cannot mean that either. In the past, India was the home of many royal sages. They were kings who were highly evolved souls living a life of renunciation. King Janaka was one such royal sage. He reigned over a kingdom, enjoyed the comforts of royalty, yet was a man of renunciation. Rooted in the fort of the supreme, never was he enmeshed in the affairs of the world. Tradition apart, it would be impractical to allow one to contact the sense objects, but not enjoy their pleasures. To stimulate the appetite of sensual pleasure through contact and stifle enjoyment therefore. That would be far more frustrating than total abstinence from them. Hence, there is no objection to enjoyment of sense objects. The practice of renunciation, therefore, does not taboo worldly possession or enjoyment. So he's saying, does it mean not having possessions, not enjoying sense objects or anything? It's saying renunciation does not mean abstaining from possessions and enjoyment. You can still enjoy worldly objects and beings and be renounced. See, if you think about it, how frustrating it would be was to able to contact sense objects and not enjoy them. It's very difficult for us to do that. We have five senses that go into the world. 
You open your eyes, you see a beautiful sunset. We can't say don't enjoy it. It's impossible. How can you not enjoy eating an ice cream? Watch a comedy and not laugh. It's not possible. How can you not enjoy driving your new car? So he's saying practicing this trait, renunciation, it does not stop you or forbid you to worldly possessions or enjoyment of them. Gives an example, King Janaka, which we mentioned before, had everything, a palace, kingdom. He said he was said to be practicing renunciation. Sudama had nothing, Krishna's friend, but still he was practicing renunciation. So it doesn't matter what you have and you don't have. Everyone's relieved. Yes, I can enjoy and still be renounced. Sounds good. Okay, let's find out then. Does, re- does renunciation then mean restricted possession and enjoyment? Fixing limits to the quantum of your possession and extent of your enjoyment of sense objects. No, not even that. Had it been so, the practice of renunciation would mean merely following charts with fixed limits for material possession and sensual enjoyment. Moreover, it is not possible to fix such limits in practical life. What is excessive for one way, one may be insufficient for another, both in terms of material possession and sensual enjoyment. Hence, renunciation cannot be defined by such obligatory boundaries. This truth has been highlighted in the scripture by two extreme examples. Lord Krishna was known to have kept the company of many gopis, milkmaids. Yet, he was acclaimed as Nitya Bharamchari, meaning perpetual celibate. So too was sage Durfasa, known for freely consuming food. And he was known as Nitya Upavasi, one on constant fast. These apparent contradictions are meant to drive home the truth that possession and enjoyment do not determine one's stature of renunciation. So he's saying, does renunciation mean restricting your possessions, your enjoyments? Fixing a limit to the quantum of your position, how much you can enjoy, saying no, it does not restrict you to amount of possession, how much you have, how much sensual enjoyment, because this would depend on your capacity, your requirement. Sorry, the sun's glaring in. Everyone is not the same. Everyone's needs are different. You cannot have a fixed amount that everyone should have. A limit on how much you can enjoy. Everyone's appetite is different. 
Two chapatis is enough for you. Your partner needs four. Appetite is different. If this was the case, then everyone would have to adhere to a, to a particular number. How many times can I have a meal in a restaurant? Once a week. Okay. How many cars can I have? One, small one. Not possible. How many TVs can I have? Just one, 40 inch, maximum size. It cannot work that way. Everyone's different. So it's not that you get this and you're a man of renunciation. This can't work because you can't fix the limit for everyone. What is enough for one person might be too little for another person. So there are two extreme examples given in the scriptures to make this point. Krishna had many gopis, but was regarded as a nitya brahmachari, means eternal permanent celibate. Sage Durvasa ate so much food, but he was regarded as a nitya uparvasi, permanently on a fast. So these give, they give extreme examples to highlight this point. You can eat so much and still be on a fast. To con this point confirms that the amount does not matter. Krishna told Arjuna to kill his kin, his cousins, his uncles, his grandfathers. He said, how can I do that? It's not the fact that he kills, but why and how he does it. It's nothing is fixed. So it's not what you do that matters, but how you do it. You can have everything in the world. What is your value of it? So to practice renunciation, you could be in the world and enjoy sense objects and have possessions and still be a renunciate. So then what is the difference between a renunciate an essential materialistic person. What is the difference? Any ideas? You have everything but you're a renunciate. True. Uh, is a materialistic person dependent? The happiness is dependent on the happiness they get from the material objects. Yeah. yeah. Whereas Someone who renunciates can get happiness from there, but also knows that they get happiness from within. Yeah. So what you're saying is that the value they give those things, the materialistic person gives it 100% value for his happiness. The renunciate understands the value of it. It comes from knowledge and understanding. He tells us in the next paragraph. If the quantum of possession enjoyment also is not related to renunciation, then what is renunciation? What is the difference between a materialistic, sensual person and a renunciated? 
This is the crux of the problem. Go over the above analysis carefully. It becomes evident that renunciation is not severance from the world, nor does it mean abstinence from possession and enjoyment, nor restriction and limitation imposed upon the quantum of possession and enjoyment. Hence, you could remain amidst people and prosperity. You could acquire, possess, and enjoy objects and beings without imposing any restrictions or limitation, and yet be a renunciate. If one is allowed to enjoy all these liberties, what then does confer the status of renunciation upon an individual? You can find that out by studying your own past experiences in life. Continue, please. In your childhood, you were attached to playthings. You spent your time then acquiring and enjoying toys and trinkets. Now you are grown up. You no longer value them. You treat them as trifles. You are preoccupied with other attractions, caught up with your family, name, fame, wealth, power. The childhood playthings do not hold your interest anymore. They drop off. You are said to have renounced them. What determines your dispassion towards your childhood interests? What's that, Karen? Yeah, I've got an old book. Does your paragraph stop there? Oh, no, it carries on, sorry, got a full stop. <laughs> what ascertains that spirit of renunciation? Carefully analyze the cause. It is not your physical parting from playthings, not your dispossession, dispossession or non-enjoyment, nor limitation in their possession or enjoyment. You may possess them, even join your children at times, enjoy playing with them, and yet claim to have renounced them because you do not treasure them anymore. They are not worth anything to you. You no longer credit them with any merit. Your interest has risen to greater heights. As you graduate to higher values of life, you automatically drop your interest. Value of lower, you grow out of it. That spirit of inner abstraction or resignation is the crux of renunciation. Thus, renunciation follows one's growth in personality, founded by knowledge established in the higher values of life. So saying, Renunciation is growth. And we analyze our past life in our youth. It gives example. As you grow from a child to an adult, you drop off your interest in childish things because you understand the value of child things. As you grow up. Similarly, as you progress in higher values of life, you automatically drop off the value for the lower. You're no longer interested in your little toy car or the little doll, beautiful doll that you had, that you possessed. The one that you couldn't live without, you took it everywhere with you. 
You get a bike. You don't need that toy, the car, the doll. The bike is your world, your most important possession. Then you get a computer. The computer is your world. You get older, you pass your driving test, you get a small car. Do you still value the bicycle? That was your world a few years before. Don't touch my bike. Now it doesn't matter. In fact, you now give it to, you got your car, you give your bike to your younger brother or sister who you said, don't touch this bike. And they look up at you, what renunciation, you gave me your bike. You have a car. The reason you gave is because you don't have value for it anymore. But your brother or sister has value, so he thinks you're a great person. Now we're older. Our interests are different. We're into business, name, fame. We want to be famous and be recognized in society. You know, with the, all this um, blogging and all these, uh, I don't know all of them, by the way, these things on the internet that we all do. Instagram, how many likes, how many followers. This is our world now. This is what makes us feel good. How much money we have, our bank balance. What size house. What our children are doing, what they're studying. What jobs they have. So our values are now different. We have no values for what we had value for when we were a child. Our toys, our earlier possessions. You may stay, still play with them with your children. You don't have value for them anymore. You play Monopoly with them. When you used to play Monopoly when you were young, you're so like passionate about it. The children want to win. You play the game, but internally you don't care if you win or lose. You know, it's just a game. You've now set the right value for it. Drew, I heard something different, by the way, from Jay. <laughs> You've set the right value for it in your life. What is a game of monopoly to you compared to everything else in life? So renunciation is setting the right values to everything in life. You know, we're just talking about life. You know, we're talking about renunciation. What value do we set for our life itself? If you think, what value we give our life? Anything can happen to us at any time. Are we aware? But what value we give to it? Especially now with this COVID going on, it's even more apparent. Shankaracharya says, life is like a drop of water on a lotus leaf. Govindam. How the drop falls off the waxy surface. This is how life is. Please, I'm not trying to depress you all. So giving the right value to everything, including our life. 
And if you give it the right value, you don't take it for granted. You make it count. What is our purpose of life? We are caught up in everything, don't we? We lose our focus, our clarity. You know, in the beginning, we said, we see the world or we see Brahman. Where are your thoughts? You get involved, attached to the world, you only see the world. You become attached to Brahman, you think of Brahman, you become Brahman. So the right value. So with this knowledge, you get over your past attachment to objects and beings. Get this knowledge, you get over your attachments to whatever you're attached to now. See, before, when you have a bike, when you get the car, you know the value of the bike. You're no longer interested. Similarly, when you get this knowledge, Vedantic knowledge, you give the right value to life and what you are involved in now. You get over whatever you're attached to now. So this inner resignation, when you practice this, this is the core of renunciation. This is what renunciation is. Allows you to grow in life by implanting knowledge of the higher values of life. So you have to analyze carefully this example. Any questions on what we've just discussed? It's a concept that we have to read, think about. This is quite a long chapter, so this is like an introduction to it. It's quite one of the longest chapters. So what is the highest? Highest value, the greatest mission in life is the discovery, discovery of the supreme self within. He who has set self-realization as his goal in life pursues it with faith and conviction, has no attraction for worldly possession and enjoyment. Name and fame mean nothing to him. So as you have grown in, growing up, you're attaching higher values to, to things. Similarly, the highest value, highest, greatest thing you can do is mission to self-realization, discovery of the supreme self. When you take that up, nothing in the world matters. This is what they're saying. Shashi, smiling. Any questions on this? What is renunciation? It's a new concept for most people. Living in the world as you are, having everything you have, and still being renunciated, practicing renunciation. This is what it's saying. True, make sense? Okay, any questions?
I'm not going to go further today because there'll be too much to handle. Yeah, very. I think the word, I mean, reading these paragraphs in this particular topic, I think it's, it's overcoming our original understanding of what the word renunciation means, because you typically mentally, I mean, as you growing up in life, renunciation is drummed into as give up and full stop. It's it's not thinking there, you know, further. Um, I've had to read quite a few times just to sort of get the understanding of the word renunciation in in the Vedanta meaning of how it translates here. So it's overcoming that to then understand that renunciation is not really giving up, but it's really understanding what, as Drew said, what impacts your happiness and being you know, quite aware of it. Yeah, like, like I said, having the right values. You see, we don't have the right values. That's why we get involved in everything. That's why we're affected by everything. This is the problem. And for having the right value, we need knowledge. Even ultimately to think, what is the purpose of our life? What is life? What is the value of this life? It allows us to reevaluate everything. What is our focus? See, we get involved so much and life passes us by. This is the problem. Megna. Is it like correct? It's not, is it correct to say that it's not really like a new term? It's just like a label to what we've already been sort of learning about, like, you know, questioning things, developing your intellect so you can not become attached and, and, have a higher knowledge or understanding of something higher. So it's not like a new term that we're learning, just labeling everything. Yeah, absolutely. Time. We've already sort of covered renunciation, but we've not labeled it. See, does that make sense? We've, just, we've already discussed this before. Mm. But we're now actually concentrating on exactly what it means. We've, 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 We've introduced it in different ways because everything is linked. This whole subject is linked. Giving the right value to everything. So if we give the right value and if we know that our goal in life is to become spiritually developed and that's the sole purpose of our life, then what value would, give, would you give to everything that you possess what value would you give to everything you're chasing after? You would put it out the window, wouldn't it? If you understand that. But because of lack of understanding, purpose of a human being, the goal of a human being, we don't understand. We're not able to do that. Any other questions on renunciation? Does everyone understand now what it means? Does it mean giving up anything? 
So we're starting a new class on Wednesday, all of the human intellect. So people who joined us recently with the COVID, they've missed a lot of the basics, which we've sort of tried to cover anyway in the classes. But whoever's interested in starting from scratch, on Wednesday evenings, we're gonna start the fall of the human intellect, which will cover all the basic terminologies and it'll fill in gaps where there's gaps. It'll be an hour long class from 7.30 to 8.30. I think everyone's got the flyer. Pass it along to all your friends, family, whoever's interested, whoever comes along, comes along. It's no problem. Yeah. So all the people who we did, when we did the last survey, all the people who said they want, they're interested, I would like to see them on Wednesday. And it will be video only, by the way, yes. Unless there's a special reason you can't have the video on, then you have to text me in advance and let me know why. I'm not feeling well or something. Because it has to be an interactive class. See, if you don't have a video on, I don't know what you're thinking, what you're doing. And the mind is such that it will be distracted. But if you know the video is on, the mind thinks, I better not do that. I better not think that. Better concentrate. <laughs> so it's for your own purpose. I'm not, I'm not that I need to see your faces, but it's for your own purpose. Okay, if there's no more questions, we will see most of you on Wednesday.